Thank you. If you want to turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 4. We're continuing our, our study in uh, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and um, now we're looking at uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and we are to the fifth fruit, which is the fruit of kindness. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses uh, 25 through 32. And remember, this is God's Word. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet you do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, work performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with him, with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And again, you turn to Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, where we find the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, or excuse me, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Again, that is God's Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this rich blessing. What an opportunity uh, to open your living Word together and to know that it is your Word given to us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, preserved for us without error, and now having full authority over our lives. And so we pray for submissive hearts as we come now to this year's word and pray that you would speak uh, through me to your people. We might hear your voice and that we might understand more clearly your will for us as we seek to be holy before you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you study the writings of the Apostle Paul, one of the things that becomes clear is that uh, something that weighed heavily on his heart was the importance of believers really living out their faith in Jesus Christ. That is, Paul understood that there was a, a real connection between your faith and your life, between what you believe and how you live, between what you say and what you do. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. The fruit of the Spirit is one of the clear ways we manifest the difference that Christ makes in our lives. If we say that we have embraced Christ alone for salvation, and by implication that the Holy Spirit lives in us and abides in us, then there must be some evidence that is true. 
Again, true saving faith is a life-changing faith. It makes a difference. It makes a difference in the way that we live. In the last uh, verses of Ephesians 4 that we read a moment ago, Paul is describing some of the differences that saving faith makes in the life of a believer. He is describing there some aspects of Christian character. What does he say? Let's look again at verse 25 and just kind of skim through it. Verse 25, someone who is saving faith does not lie. Puts aside falsehood and speaks truth. Someone who has saving faith, verse 26, is not controlled by his anger. He might get angry, but he doesn't sin. He doesn't hold a grudge, doesn't let the, the anger continue from one day to another. Verse 28, someone who is converted and belongs to Christ does not steal, does not take what belongs to someone else. Verse 29, he's careful about what he says, does not use foul language. Verse 30, does not grieve the Holy Spirit by disobedience, but by failing to do what is right. Verse 30, he puts aside bitterness and wrath. There it is again, anger, clamor, and slander, and malice. Someone who is converted is tender-hearted, forgives others just as God has forgiven him. But included in that list of traits of a believer, of traits of Christian character, is kindness. Paul says in verse 32, be kind to one another. And again, that trait is one of the evidences of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Kindness is going to be our focus this morning as we spend a few moments together in the Word of God. Three things. First, I want to come up with something of a definition of this biblical concept of kindness. To put it simply, to be kind is to be courteous, thoughtful, and helpful. It shouldn't be confused with meekness. Gary talked about meekness some this morning in Sunday school with the adults. Shouldn't be confused with meekness, which is more of a passive virtue. Meekness is bearing up under personal insults and abuse without retaliating, taking revenge, or showing resentment. But kindness, on the other hand, is a more active virtue. It has to do with the way we treat other people, the way we deal with them, and the way that we respond to them. Kindness is, a, again, a byproduct of the first four evidences of the fruit of the Spirit. If you don't already show some love, some joy, and some peace, and some patience, it's going to be real hard for you to be kind to others. It's interesting, if you turn, to, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but if you, you're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. There Paul gives us kind of a definition of love. And some of the evidences of love are the very things that Paul gives us as the fruit of the Spirit. Love is what? Patient. 
And love is kind. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is kind of a cluster. It's a bunch. It's a bunch of bananas. It's a, it's a cluster of grapes. They hang together. You don't have just a fruit over here and a fruit here, but they, they kind of all hang together to show the reality of the, the Spirit's work in our hearts and in our lives. Now, you need to understand that biblical kindness is different from what we normally might think of to be kindness. What we know around here is good old southern hospitality. That's a good thing. Isn't it wonderful to live in the south and to be surrounded by people who understand good old southern hospitality? You know, we're a little, we're a little bit proud of it. We appreciate it, and we enjoy it. However, this spiritual fruit of kindness goes far beyond that. It's an active kind of behavior that looks for opportunities to do good to another person or for other people. This biblical kindness really is patterned after the kindness of God. You see, when you come to faith in Christ, you're able to see yourself and how God relates to you for the first time. To see it clearly. And you realize that you are undeserving of the grace and the mercy and yes, also the kindness of God. Do you realize that kindness is one of God's attributes? He describes himself as full of loving kindness. In fact, Peter talks about tasting of the kindness of God. Romans 2 talks about not thinking lightly of God's kindness and God's tolerance and God's patience. And he goes on to say that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Think of that. God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. God in His kindness does good for us even though we're undeserving of it, even though we don't merit it, even though there's no cause for it in and of ourselves. God bestows His kindness upon us and God's kindness changes us, transforms us. It makes us different. It leads us, Paul says, to repentance. That's the kind of kindness that we're to show to other people. Undeserved, unmerited, yet a kindness that reaches out to people that makes a difference in their lives. Kindness. Second, I want us to consider this morning several things that stand in the way of kindness. What, what keeps us from being kind to others as God is kind to us. One is any sense of arrogance or pride. You know, Gary James, as he filled in with, uh, for Kerry, is doing a, a series on humility. It's amazing how many times humility is talked about in the Bible as a characteristic or attribute of a child of God. Now, essential. Humility is in the life 
of a believer. But on the other hand, it's striking, isn't it? The warnings the Bible gives us about pride and arrogance. And how pride gets in our way of being what God has called us to be and what God wants us to be. Pride trips us up, doesn't it? What does the Bible say? Pride goes before a fall. Pride's like a stumbling block to keep us from from getting there and, and being where God wants us to be in life. A kind person is a humble person. A kind person doesn't lord it over other people, doesn't consider himself to be superior to others, doesn't consider him to be more spiritual than someone else. The classic story of that to me is in the Bible. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. You know that story. There was a man who was riding one day along the road and he was accosted by thieves. He was beaten and robbed and left beside the road for dead. But he wasn't. Shortly, a little while later, a priest came riding by and he saw the man beaten and bloody lying beside the road. But the priest looked the other way and rode by on the other side of the road. A little later, a Levi came by. And he also saw the man lying by the road, beaten and bloody. But he responded the same way. He looked the other way, rode by on the other side of the road. Now, now those were two religious men. They were men who knew the law of God. They knew what God expected of them. And yet both of them were so filled with their own insidious spiritual pride, they were not willing to get down, to get dirty and bloody, to show kindness to that man. It was later, a Samaritan came riding by. Now the Samaritans to the Jews were half-breeds and unclean. But the Samaritan saw the man lying there, beaten and bloody, And he did what the other two did not do. He stopped, tended to the man's wounds, took him to town, put him up, paid for his expenses. What did the Samaritan do? He showed the man kindness. The religious men weren't willing to do that. They were men of position. They were men of prestige. But the Samaritan was a humble man who was touched by the need of this person who had been beaten and robbed and who tended to his needs. Pride and arrogance get in the way of showing kindness while humility facilitates it. Another hindrance to showing kindness is coldness or an indifference to the needs of others. And sometimes that is driven by self-centeredness. 
If you're focused upon yourself, you're not going to be concerned about the needs of others. If you are a self-centered person, it's going to be very difficult for you to find it in yourself to be kind to other people. What are you going to be looking for? You're going to be looking for people to be kind to you. Our Savior was not that way. What does the Bible say? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came not just to have kindness shown to him. He came to show kindness to others. And those of us who would follow him, who would take up his name, who would bear the name of Christ, must do the same. You see, self-centeredness leads to an indifference to the needs of others. But being others-centered, thinking about, considering, and focusing on the needs of others leads us to show acts of kindness. You know, over the years, I've been blessed to be around people like that. And I'm sure many of you have too. There are people like that in this church. People who are completely others-centered. And how do you know that? How do you see that in someone else? You see it by their acts of kindness. By the way, they go out of their way to show kindness to other people. Uh, another hindrance to showing kindness is busyness. Busyness keeps us from taking the time to be kind to others. We all have busy lives, don't we? It doesn't matter where we are in life, whether you're a student, you're busy whether you are a young parent, you're surely busy. I have even people who retired tell me, you know, I don't know where all the time goes. I, I thought when I reached this point in my life, I'd have more time. But we're just busy people. It's been said that love is best defined in the context of time. How do, how do you show love to someone? You, well, you, you show them by spending time with them. Kindness is the same way. It takes time to show kindness. It takes time to be kind to other people. It takes time to go out of your way to, to be kind to someone else. We dare not become so consumed by our own busy schedules that we fail to be kind to others. Again, Jesus, to me, is a classic example of that. One day he was out teaching a large crowd of people. Over 5,000 were told. And his disciples began to be concerned about the time. They weren't watching their watch. They were watching the sun. And they began to be concerned about the time. And they realized it was getting late in the day. And they had been dealing with this crowd of people all day. And they were ready to send the crowd home so they could get something to eat. And so they went to Jesus and said, Jesus, it's late in the day. We need to send these people home so they can find something to eat. Now, Jesus was far less concerned about the time. He was more concerned about the people. And so when the disciples came to Jesus and said, we need to send them home to get something to eat, Jesus said, you give them something to eat. You see, it was a totally different perspective. The disciples were concerned about 
getting the people home so they could get something to eat. Jesus was concerned about finding a way to show kindness to the people to provide them something to eat. Jesus was concerned about the needs of the people. And the whole miracle was designed to show his kindness to them as well as the power of God to them. So there are things that get in our way of being kind. But third, I want to speak about the value of kindness. What what does kindness do? What good is there in it? What does it do for us? One thing, it, it shows the condition of our heart. You know, Jesus says, out of the heart proceed all the issues of life. It can be said that the fruit of the Spirit all comes from the heart. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, and and from that, from our hearts, proceed love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. David was called a man after God's own heart. Now, there were times in David's life when he didn't show it. When he did things that seemed to be the exact opposite. But the Bible says of David, he was a man after God's own heart. He had a good heart. One of the most dramatic dramatic examples of that to me is the way in which he dealt with one of Jonathan's sons, whose name was Mephibosheth. Remember that Saul was the king of Israel. David was anointed to succeed him as the king. The problem was that Saul was still the king when David was anointed to succeed him. And and Saul had all this jealousy and resentment. And there was this long-standing kind of feud between the two as Saul pursued David and tried to put him to death. Now, to complicate the situation, David had become good friends, best friends, with Saul's son. Jonathan. Now eventually, the Israelites were at war with the Philistines, and Saul and Jonathan were both killed. And it devastated David when he heard the news that Saul and his friend Jonathan had been killed. Sometime later, David began to wonder how he could show kindness, kindness now, to Saul's Family, especially based on his relationship with Jonathan. We find that story in 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you want to turn there, I'd invite you to do that. It's a very, very interesting story. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Where in verse 1, David asks the question. Is there yet anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Well, there was a servant of Saul, and they brought him and asked him about it. And the servant said, or David asked the servant in verse 3, Is there yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba, that was a servant, said to the king, Well, there's a son of Jonathan. That's Mephibosheth. 
And he happened to be crippled or lame in both feet. And so we're told in verse 5 that David sent and brought him to where he lived. And Mephibosheth was overwhelmed by David's kindness. We're told in verse 6, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face, and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, Here is your servant. But David's idea of showing kindness to Mephibosheth was not having him come to be his servant. It was to have him come be more like his son. To have him be as part of his family. Verse 7, David said to him, Do not fear, I will surely show kindness to you. Do you see how many times the word kindness has been used in this chapter? I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul. You shall eat at my table regularly. If you drop down to the end of verse 11, you'll find that happened. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Remember I said that kindness is undeserved. Biblical, godly kindness is undeserved. Look, Saul had been no friend to David. Jonathan had. Mephibosheth understood this was undeserved kindness. Look at the end of verse 8. Again, he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant? that you should regard a dead dog like me. David showed kindness to Mephibosheth. And his kindness transformed Mephibosheth's life. And that's the second value of it. It encourages people. Isn't it an encouragement to you when someone is kind to you? When someone goes out of their way takes their time, does something to you that you know to be an act of kindness. Something they didn't have to do, but they wanted to do. Something you particularly did not deserve, but they did it anyway. What an encouragement that is. You know how that is. You know how it feels. I know how that feels. Mephibosheth's life was changed by the kindness of David to him. And that's why the Bible exhorts us over and over again to show kindness. I won't, for the sake of time, go through the whole list of verses. One of them is on the front of your bulletin I put this this, this week. Where it says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Paul talks about putting on a heart of compassion and a heart of kindness. The Proverbs tell us what is desirable in a man is his kindness. Paul says the Lord's bondservant must be kind to all. Kindness. Kindness is important in the home and the family. I told you I'm going to apply every fruit of the Spirit to the home and the family and the church. 
Kindness is important in the home and family. Life is a lot different in my house when I'm making a deliberate attempt to be kind. It's kind of the salve that heals a wound. But a lack of kindness kind of picks at sores that aren't quite yet healed. Kindness draws people together. A lack of kindness drives them apart. The same is true in the church. When we follow the admonition of the Lord to be kind to one another, it does several things. One, it proves that God's among us. How do people know the Spirit of God is here? It's because one reason we show kindness to each other. Another thing it does, it draws us together unites us. A lack of kindness, a harshness, something was mentioned in Sunday school this morning. Harshness drives people away. It builds walls. Kindness draws us together as the people of God. It makes life so much sweeter. You know, Peter talks about tasting of the kindness of the Lord. And if you come to faith, you've tasted that kindness. And isn't it sweet? And if you're in the body of Christ, you ought to be able to taste the kindness of God's people. And isn't that sweet? But then another value is it pleases God. God is pleased when His people are kind to each other and to other people. Our main aim in life as believers is to please God, to glorify Him in all we do. God is pleased. God is pleased when His people show kindness. So let's resolve this morning to pray that the Holy Spirit would produce more of this fruit, this wonderful, sweet fruit of kindness in our lives. And we would know it to be reality. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we pray that we would be kind people, realizing we've experienced kindness that you give, and that we in turn are to give it to others. Remove the hindrances, the obstacles, the things that get in our way, and help us to be known for the kindness we show to others. In Jesus' name, amen.